Hey y'all, welcome to the final episode of On The Way Home. After a long marathon that started a year ago, we somehow made it. I got to share some stories, scenes, and conversations from my everyday life here in Oman, anchored through Masqat, which I'm slowly growing to call home. So, guided by some questions from the guests I hosted over the course of the show, I got together with Abdullah and Azam to talk about the experience of making it. If you check the credits, you'd know that I worked with them closely to make this show possible. Abdullah is the programming director and Azam is the head of music here at Oman FM. Some of the guests who appeared on your show, they sent in questions. Yes. And we're going to attempt to answer some of these questions today. Let's do that. So how about we start? I have a question to ask. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What is the thought process before starting, uh, before producing any episodes? Now, you know these people, right? Mm-hmm. So where do you start? And did it change throughout? Because it's my first project and my first like podcast, it was figuring it out as I go. So there wasn't a set thought process for every single person. But the general premise was, am I comfortable having this conversation or any level of like intimate conversation with that person? So that's how the selection of the people went about. These are people that I've had some level of intimate conversation with. And then I remember when I put the list for them, there were topics that I thought would be interesting and I would prepare questions for them, but that could easily be thrown out of the window the moment that they're here in the recording room. Um, And then I'm very much driven by content. And I think this is just like my English literature training where I hate, like, I, I don't like the academic approach of get a thesis and then find your supporting evidence. I like the other approach of find your evidence and see where it leads you. And it was very much the case with a lot of these episodes. Um, I would see where the, the content or the conversation is and I would build everything around that rather than try to aim for it from the beginning. So there is some level of preparation, but I was very open to the possibility that the direction of that would change. So yeah, just because I tend to be driven by what's being said and then build things around it. So the final (laughs) uh, product may look like it's been planned, but it's not always planned. Even with the Malak episode, we talked plenty about, um, for example, like, you know, not having dads and everything. But the level of details and the stories that she shared with me, most of them were, I was hearing them for the first time in this room. The nice thing about this whole thing being pre-recorded, I get to listen to it and again, find my supporting um, content or evidence and build everything around it rather than come from the beginning with a preset plan of how this is supposed to look like at the end. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. It kind of also answers the first question here that was mm-hmm. posed by Sara. What was the first thought that made you do the show? I think I just had a lot of energy and I wanted to create something. Um, my day job, I do what I do in it because we have business goals. We need certain things met. So there isn't um, as much space for creativity and storytelling and creativity and storytelling is what I like to do so I've been doing a lot some version of that on the side by myself but I just still had a lot of energy and a lot of stories that I wanted to tell and share so it was basically that and then the opportunity when it came along which is with you guys so it was very much like driven by this desire to let this excess energy go somewhere Hmm. real quick what was Sarah's episode about um, it was about 
sort of like her struggles with academia, um, our bonding over hiking, and just like our friendship in general. That was the second episode. Second episode. She also asked another question. What made you finally take the step to make the show and share everything that you shared? Um, what made me take the first step was um, having the pilot episode and seeing how that went. So from a production side, like how did I figure out the process of making an episode? And then sort of from you guys' side, because again, I was hesitant and I wasn't sure if there would be any kind of interference <laughs> with my production, but there wasn't. So having that experience as sort of like a foundation, that's what gave me the push. If it's gonna be like this, then I feel very comfortable going ahead with all of this. After finishing more than half of the episodes of On The Way Home, I found myself wondering what I'll do next. Because I knew that the same restless energy I had prior to working on this project would come back again. When I first started, I strictly thought of this show as a limited edition podcast. But as I continued working on it, I saw the potential for it to grow. A part of me likes that it's a limited edition program. There's a charming quality about it for me. But who's to say that I won't come back in two or three years time to make another season, for example? Or maybe I'll do stories on what it was like for me before doing On The Way Home. There's a lot to contemplate, and that's something I can do later on. And speaking of contemplation, you may or may not be familiar with this pilot episode we're talking about. Once upon a time, Abdullah hosted a program called Ain't Nobody Listening, where he hosted a variety of community members to discuss all sorts of topics in a casual, unrehearsed, and often unprepared setting. My first audio piece was featured under the umbrella of that show. I hosted my friend Sophia. We talked about her and about the time I visited her in Nizwa. So we cannot talk about the making of this show without tracing it back to that pilot episode. At the end of my interview with you guys, like you three were on the table and you asked me the last question is, um, so what do you want to do with Oman FM? Do you want to join a pre-existing show or do you want to pitch something new? And I told you guys that I want to start something new. And I told you my very broad vision. And you guys told me, okay, give us a sample just so we can get a better sense of it. So that's how that pilot episode came about. I just wanted to give you a sample of what the pre-recorded podcast like structure would look like, but not necessarily the theme. The theme was not set yet. And I remember Abdullah was actually excited to edit that one. That seems such a distant memory at this point. Yeah, a year ago. We'll add the Sophia audio piece as a bonus episode on your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, along with the rest of the episodes we produced. And I hope you enjoy listening to them, especially since now you know the story behind them. Making that episode was an exciting learning curve for me, and I do remember my emotions being all over the place. One second, I'd be excited, and the very next, I'd feel nauseous and nervous. Many of you probably think of Malak when you think of the first guest I had here, which is not entirely wrong. She was the first person featured on the show, where we talked about growing up without a father. She asked a great question, for which the answer can be traced back to that pilot episode too. Did you at any point feel like you wanted to stop? If yes, why? And how did you go on? Yeah, at the very beginning, I think. Like, it, the making the pilot episode did give me the push to 
go with making the show. But before airing it, um, I remember Sophia was nervous and her getting nervous made me think, that, oh my God, do I want to do this? Do I want to put people through this of just, uh, you know, coming and saying intimate stuff, even though we're editing, for example, details and everything, we're trying to make it, we're trying to make vulnerability more accessible, I guess. But um, I think... That should be a slogan. <laughs> Making vulnerability more accessible. Yeah, you can tell your story, but I'll edit out the names of the people from that story. Um, So, yeah, I think probably at that point, Mm. because the moment uh, I started working on the other episodes, the moment I had a roaster, it was kind of like a like a snowball effect for me. Like I'm just working on this. There wasn't a moment of where I I wanted to stop. So it was somewhere in between producing that pilot episode and when it aired that I felt that, oh, maybe is this a good idea? Should I stop? But other than that, not really, because I was so excited to work on it. And I loved working on it every moment. Um, Every moment, big claim. Well, every moment before the recording the voiceover. I think when it was on paper and I was just editing it on paper. Because I I remember days. (laughs) I remember days when you weren't enjoying it. Yeah, I'm sorry for the times I lashed out at you, Abdullah. I'm so used to it at this point. There every times where it he comes with be- a job. <laughs> I need to know more. I about don't. This. I don't take these things personally. Relax. I, I. I appreciate when someone's passionate about something. I'd rather have someone yeah. lash out at me because they're passionate, than someone who's Luke cold who does not yeah. give two poopoos. <laughs> <laughs> no, when it was on paper, I really liked it, but there might have been a day or two where I got upset and Abdul would try to calm things down. I would get angrier. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd make jokes. <laughs> you know, but I gauge, I make a joke, I see, oh, it did not go through. I just keep quiet after that. <laughs> you know, so, sometimes a joke can diffuse the situation, but you, you gotta read the room. I was like, yeah, this is not my crowd today. Was, was that in the beginning only or? Uh, uh, later on it was th- probably throughout like every <laughs> third episode or something <laughs> um and then i would feel so bad i'm like why did i do that to the poor guy like he didn't <laughs> it's okay i'm a big boy I can he's, handle a, he's it. a big boy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think at least uh, i really enjoyed working on editing it just because i like writing um and i liked stitching together the story that I really, really, really enjoyed more than I thought I would. Besma is a guest who was featured on the sixth episode, where we talked about our curly hair experience in Oman. And she asked me if I ever faced any challenges while creating this show, and how did I overcome them? As you just heard, recording the voiceover was particularly difficult for me. And I was actually pretty embarrassed and surprised by it. And let me tell you why. I don't want to so give me a second. <laughs> I'm having so many flashbacks right now. I'm not someone who's shy in front of a microphone. I remember a few instances from my school days where my teachers would have to fight me to take the microphone away if I was chosen to MC the morning programs. In general, public speaking is something I tend to enjoy. Suddenly, I found myself having trouble reading a paragraph that I wrote. I felt everything from frustration to anger when I struggled to read my own words. And this didn't happen only with the heavy topics. 
It happened even on the lighter ones. There is so much internal turmoil that I felt in this room that I don't think I allowed myself to fully express. In an effort to save face, I may or may not have cried a couple of times after I left the studio. I felt embarrassed enough that I couldn't read or at how nervous I'd sound. So I'm infinitely grateful for the patience and kindness Abdullah extended during those recording sessions. And don't get me started on the editing part. I'm not sure how many hours of tape Abdullah and Azam had to edit to fit the scripts that I wrote. So that's basically how I overcome those challenges. With the support of the team and recording things over and over again if needed. One bad habit I've been working on One bad habit I've been working on for years is resisting the urge to rush through things. And this show taught me to take my time getting over challenges so as not to jeopardize, jeopardize, jeopardize. <sighs> okay. And this show taught me to take my time getting over challenges so as not to jeopardize, jeopardize, jeopardize. Give me a second, let me take a sip. And this show taught me to take my time getting over challenges so as not to jeopardize. <laughs> jeopardize, 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 Oh no, I'm saying it's gonna chapati. So that's basically how I overcome those challenges. With the support of the team and recording things over and over again if needed. One bad habit I've been working on for years is resisting the urge to rush through things. And this show taught me to take my time getting over challenges so as not to jeopardize the quality of the final product. Especially since it's my first project of the sort, there was no need to pressure myself to finish it in a certain time. The pressure I felt in representing the stories I had between my hands was more than enough on its own. Whew, we made it. Want to move on to another question? Sure. From your other guest, Ahmed. Ahmed was in, what was his episode about? Uh, living with disability. Yes. What was your most difficult episode? Um, there's two parts to this question. Let's start with the first one. There were several difficult episodes. I mean, his episode for me was difficult. That one I was really, really nervous about not presenting well. Um, I was nervous even during the interview process. I, I, I was so scared that I would cross a line by asking a question that I shouldn't ask. Um, I just had a lot of these worries that, I don't know, I would be ignorant and... Like ignorant, how? You know when sometimes people do or say things from a place of ignorance? And sometimes with, with just a little bit more awareness that could have been avoided. So there are like levels of ignorance that are, that are, that are sometimes unforgivable. Like he could have just been more mindful about it. Mm. Um, and because he's such a good friend um, and he's really well liked among our friends too. Um, I just didn't want to make him feel that way or make a mistake out of ignorance. Um, um, could you elaborate? I, like, uh. I don't know. I think it's just the topic of his disability is never something that we talked about directly. I remember the first time I ever um, talked to him about it, we were in Salala on a business trip and a bunch of us went um, to different places and we agreed with rendezvous for like dinner somewhere else. So him and I, we went to Suq al-Hasan, I think. 
And he himself, when he goes out, he attracts a lot of attention. When I go by myself, I attract a lot of attention. He attracts <laughs> a lot of attention because of his wheelchair. Because of his wheelchair. And you because of your hair. Uh, I think the hair and the aesthetics in general. I think you spoke about this in one of your episodes. Yeah, with Besma. Yes. Um, just because... You, it just not a lot of people wear their hair like this. There's more people doing it right now for sure, hmm. um, but it's still there. Um, so when the both of us are just like side by side, it's like burning neon signs. Like what are these two have to do with each other? And I remember asking him, um, I don't know, I, in a very moment, like a moment of honesty, does it ever bother you? Do you ever get annoyed with these stares? Because people were staring at him a lot. And he said, yeah, they still bother me. And I was surprised. I just thought he would be, I don't know, maybe numb to them. Um, and we were having this conversation, I think, in English because everyone around us was speaking Arabic because we <laughs> didn't want them to hear what we were saying. So, and he was like, and we're both like keeping this kind of like rigid smiles on our face when he's saying, yeah, it still bothers me. It's really annoying. And I think that moment was the thing that made me feel more comfortable talking to him about his disability or addressing it, it because i never did hmm. um but even then we didn't talk about it in as much detail as when we had the interview i think a few days before the interview he started sharing with me some really shocking stories um and i think i was still processing them and then we had the interview and then he was telling me even more about his experience and it just a lot of it made me also pretty angry because... Yeah, the fact that he lost options uh, on where to study abroad because of his disability, that was, I think, pretty surprising for anyone listening. We didn't know that was a thing. I wonder, did you ever find out if that's still a thing today? That is still a thing, yeah. Really? Yeah. You'd think people be a little more aware about this. Just because you have a disability doesn't mean you can't live abroad. And a lot of abroad countries are more accessible than here. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, there was definitely a lot to process and just kind of like absorb from his stories. Um, you would say that's the most difficult one. No, it was difficult for that reason. I think the most difficult, I mean, even Habib's episode, I think, was difficult for me. He was my first employer. And I had this conversation with Azam where I felt like I could have been a little bit more open because I remember vividly while editing that episode that I was holding back about expressing a lot of things that I felt and I was going through at the time and why having that job was so important. Because I kept on emphasizing it was important, but I don't think I went into details about why um, it was important. So I think, again, it just has to me, it just has to do with my pride, I think. I just didn't want to look vulnerable, even though I'm telling a story about a time where I was feeling vulnerable. Mm. Um, my next episode definitely had its own um, uh, reason for being difficult. But um, I was surprised by how, I don't know, it didn't feel as difficult talking about it later on once it was out and about. I think I was really, really anxious about her reaction to it once it was out. I didn't want her to regret doing it i felt a lot of responsibility and pressure to represent the stories that were shared with me on this platform i worried how they may or may not influence my relationship with each person who agreed to join me in these episodes i think that is definitely one of the reasons why i used to struggle so much while recording my voiceovers 
I didn't want any of my guests to regret sharing their stories, especially since they're filtered from my perspective. Even though some episodes were harder to make than others, I dreaded the idea that anyone I brought on the show would feel regret. And this is something that I had to slowly divorce myself from. Fatma, the editor and host, had to take charge, and I had to distance myself from the regular Fatma who worried about all of this. For those 25 to 30 minute episodes that we produce, I spend a lot of time reading and thinking about an interview that could have run for more than an hour. I basically cut up the interview and stitch it back together through my voiceovers for a concise final product. Everything about the process of making an episode forces me to deeply engage with every person's story. And that's bound to help change anyone's perspective. This is uh, such a great segue into my next question from Awarif. (laughs) Stop! Awarif. Awarif? What's Awarif? The amount of times she said Awarif. Awatif? Yes. (laughs) I would glitch during the recording sessions and there'd be words. (laughs) Okay, Miss America. never been so ashamed of myself but continue anyways she says after a long and successful season with on the way home and interviewing various guests with various backgrounds do you think that their perception of the world and personal experiences have impacted your perception of the world and did you gain insight from this rather extraordinary experience that's a good question absolutely i think i feel like i'm just seeing the world in different colors because of the people that I interviewed and it wasn't just in the context of the interview here but also the conversations that we had before or after um, the interview because I didn't realize how I don't know how deeply like I used to think that I could see things from different perspectives turns out I didn't have that the input of these perspectives to see them from a flun Mm -hmm. so absolutely um, I think the way that I navigate the world is a lot more relaxed and more comfortable thanks to them, for sure. On New Year's Eve, I was scrolling through my photo gallery and found a video from June of 2023. I was in Dubai, strolling through the Fahidi Historical District. A lot of the old houses in that area got turned into art galleries, shops, cafes, and inns. In one of the buildings, I came across a wishing tree project. There was a box with a stack of papers and pens next to it. The whole idea is that visitors can write a wish and slip it into the box, which will be hung later on on the wishing tree. I couldn't help but laugh when I saw that my wish was about my show. I wish for my show on the way home, success, and for it to open new opportunities for me. So, that's what I am wishing for. It's an endearing video that made me feel proud. Granted, I didn't have a metric for what success would look like for this show, and I still don't. But I guess me and my guests being happy about it is enough of a success indicator. We had a lot more great questions from our guests, and the conversation ran for over an hour. But in the interest of time, I put my editorial hat on for this final episode. So, in the end, I thought it would be appropriate to wrap things over with one more question from Eamon, who was featured on the fifth episode where we talked about dance and art. He asks, now that all the episodes are out, how do you feel? I feel 
so old. I feel like sometimes I listen to them and I was like, I feel like I was five years or ten years younger when I was speaking from that perspective. Um, it feels nice to have like a body of work and to say, yeah, I, I made this. This was my project. So yeah, I, I just feel I feel older, hopefully wiser. Hopefully. Well, we <laughs> hope that we're wiser. We're definitely older. <laughs> I really appreciate everyone who reached out to tell me what they thought of the episodes and to every person who spread the word about it. And I hope that you enjoyed those brief glimpses of the events and people who made me feel like I'm on the way home. We're done. Woo! Okay. On the Way Home is brought to you by Oman FM. This show is available for streaming on all podcast platforms. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Fatma Dinari, and you can follow me on Instagram at Fatma's Eyes, F-A-T-E-M-A-S, Eyes, sound engineered by Azamir Raisi, edited and mixed by Abdullah Ma'wali. Thank you for listening.